today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Well, we've talked uh, from the beginning of this pandemic that uh, we've got to get our act together as far as science and, and technology. We need to listen to the people, to listen to the experts. Not everybody does. Some world leaders that are no longer in power uh, seem to lead that parade. But I think we're smarter than that now. But we also need to support science and uh, the leaders that are, are telling us what's going on in the world and how we should deal with this. And and that comes to the, the vaccine production and so many other different things. I mean, it's multifaceted when we want to get into this discussion. Uh, recently, uh, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says that, look, we need to get our act together in this country. We need local production of things like vaccines because that means we're no longer at the whims of other countries. More than ever, what we've seen is if we are not able to produce locally, we will always be at the whims of international travel, logistics, delivery. We will always be struggling. So not only do we need local capacity, but as we announced before, we want to emphasize the importance of local Canadian-owned production of vaccines, critical drugs, and PPE. We need to produce it locally, and we need to own our own production of vaccines. It's critical. Well, we know that the government's tried to do that. Uh, they talked about the, uh, the plant in Montreal that they're, they're trying to get going again, reviving, and it's hopeful that they're going to get that up by the end of the year. But what about the commitment to science? There's a fascinating piece that uh, was published recently that addresses that very subject, and uh, we want to bring the author. Mark Lawton is a uh, chemistry professor at the University of Toronto and a contributor to the Globe and Mail. And a Hamiltonian, I understand, Professor. Great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Let's, let's talk a little bit about government's commitment to science, and I guess really our, our, our society's commitment to science as well. I know uh, you mentioned in the piece today that we kind of looked down at the states over the last four years and say, well, that guy doesn't seem to get it. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's do, doing nothing at all to promote science or the science or the medical experts, etc. Uh, there's a new president, of course, in the White House. So that dynamic has changed but let's let's look inwardly first if we could professor and and talk about what canada is doing i mean are we doing enough is this government doing enough to support science and promote the science well thanks very much good questions um yeah i mean even in, as far as the u.s it's true exactly what you said that the president wasn't a big fan of science but what, what's interesting is that the congress in the u.s continued to support science even in spite of the president and so while the atmosphere wasn't so great for scientists uh, when the leader wasn't, uh, in fact, there was lots of funding available in the U.S. In Canada, I think we made a very good start when uh, uh, Premier, uh, Premier, sorry, Prime Minister Trudeau was elected, um, and we commissioned this fundamental science report, which is often known as the Naylor Report, and it made recommendations for funding and improvements and changes to the Canadian ecosystem, and we kind of went about halfway. And, you know, I think we need to go further. And, of course, the rest of the world is, is going further. So if we look inward, I think we need um, support by the public about uh, the value of science, fundamental, and then its translation. And in addition, we need uh, more financial support so that our researchers are able to compete with the world's best when it comes to finding the next uh, important discoveries. Which used to happen, I'm not going to say on a regular basis, but I mean, you know, Canadians have played a, a large role in medical science. And, uh, historically, we've seen some of that. Uh, we seem to have fallen by the wayside in, in recent decades, not just in recent years. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at Canada's support for science as a percentage of, for instance, GDP, we are quite a bit below the kinds of countries that we usually look up to and look towards when we find discoveries. So, Switzerland, Germany, the U.S., uh, South Korea, Japan, 
um, all these company, uh, countries are are supporting at you know 1.5 to two times as much as as we are on a on a per capita basis. And so, you know, that's where it starts. That if we look where these vaccines were developed, they were developed in Germany, in the U.S., in the U.K. They were they. That doesn't mean there wasn't fundamental science that was done in Canada that that aided and supported. But I think that's a starting point. Uh, we don't take it from the initial point on to the next step. And so I think, you know, that there are issues there. Yeah, we've had those discussions with a number of people at McMaster when it comes to some of the medical innovations that are going on. And uh, in the old days, I mean, they used to do an awful lot of that. You're right. And then they eventually have to hand it off to somebody else to 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 market it and to, and to give it the international exposure it needed. They're doing much better at that now, as I think a, a number of other Canadian universities are. But to your point, though, Professor, uh, we, we seem to start off on the right foot with the Trudeau government. I mean, they actually appointed a minister of science, uh, Christy Duncan, and, and there was, a, as you mentioned in the piece, also the appointment of a chief scientist, uh, Mona Niemer. Uh, so you figure, okay, the commitment seems to be there. Uh, why are we stalling now? Well, I think, you know, what you need are people who are fighting within the government for support of science. So, you know, you need the cabinet ministers to be uh, embracing and enthusiastically endorsing what they see as the value. And the value has to be, <clears throat> you know, on multiple levels. One element of the value is that it, it helps Canadians. Uh, it might help save lives. It might lead to improvement in life, uh, quality of life but also that it employs people. And the kind of people it employs are very highly qualified people who spent their lives getting educated and becoming um, experts in some field. And so in my particular field, which is uh, pharmaceutical synthesis, uh, you train people for uh, a total education time of maybe 10 to 12 years. And what you want those people to be able to do is to work in companies uh, based in Canada that are able to uh, take advantage of all that knowledge that they have. So I think what the, the, the issue is, though, of course, you need the people in government to be seeing that. And I, I wouldn't put it purely on the Trudeau government. I think there hasn't been a lot of leadership on any of the political parties. And I'd love to hear them all step up and say that no matter what, when they get elected, they're going to make the kind of commitments that we see. I've never seen that. In fact, David Naylor and I wrote a piece in the Toronto Star a year or two ago before the election, asking the leaders of that time to tell us what their plan for science was. And instead of science, we got silence. So really, you know, the, the problem is, is across the country in terms of seeing evidence that our political leaders and the people in cabinet are, are going to be on board for this because everybody's got to be pulling in the rope in the same direction, not fighting over, over uh, you know, scraps. But this is as good a time, probably the best time in, in recent years uh, for that commitment and for, for elected officials to actually come forward like this. I mean, what we've gone through the last year from the pandemic, uh, I think, underscores how important science is. I mean, where would we be without that science? Where would we be without that expertise? I mean, you know, we developed a vaccine within a year, uh, not here in Canada, sadly, but I mean, Canadians did work on those projects. Uh, and we've seen that happen. And, and and to the other end of the spectrum with science, I mean, I, you know, in the last federal election that you just alluded to, uh, Canadians said that environment was either the one or, or second best uh, 
topic for them. I mean, it's the most important issue for them in the election. Um, and politicians tend to go, you're absolutely right, where the public pressure is. So it seems as if this is the perfect time for politicians to make that commitment, financial and otherwise, because I think we as a country are, are ready, willing, and able for that to happen now. I, I hope that's true, and I, I, I do believe that's true. And I think, you know, one of the other ways that it can happen, and I tried to mention this in the piece, and that is to have more people with expertise in science, engineering, medicine be elected officials. I think one of the challenges that we face in Canada is that we ask experts to give advice, but advice is not the same thing as a vote. You know, it's one thing to say, what do you think? And then we'll, we'll take it under consideration. But that means they can cherry pick which ideas they like. I think instead, if what you had were more um, elected officials, and what you want is a diversity of elected officials with experience in all different sectors of the economy, and all those people to be able to be in a room and speak with uh, informed commentary and, and push for those um, elements that will have the, the greatest impact in the long term on Canadian society, Canadian health, and Canadian competitiveness. And what we have right now are very, very few. You mentioned Kirsty Duncan. You know, she was a, a professor. She has a PhD. Uh, Mark Garneau is an engineer. But really, you know, if you look across all the political parties, what's lacking is that kind of knowledge. And I think in countries, especially countries like Germany, what you have is a leader who has a PhD in, in science field and has and she has demonstrated tremendous leadership uh, in terms of saying that science is important. In Germany, they make a 10 year commitment to science of, you know, two to three, four percent growth per year. And in Canada, we, we wiggle back and forth from one political party to the next sometimes supporting, but never supporting to the degree it needs it, and in some cases actually not supporting at all. So, you know, my wish is more people in uh, with this kind of expertise go into political arenas, but that means the political machinery has to start recruiting those kind of people, not just their friends, but actually people who know something different than the kinds of people who are already in politics, so that we have a, a more diverse community of experts around the table having a discussion and an informed discussion, not some kind of polarized discussion that, that as usual, leads nowhere. A couple of different things on that, though. I mean, I, I guess one of the realities that we have to face is it's, uh, I, I think it probably in many people's minds, it's not a very attractive endeavor to, to pursue at this stage uh, because of some of the pettiness they see that goes on in politics right now, and, and, and it, it's, it's problematic. I mean, they've got to clean up their act at that end. To, uh, to attract people like that. But you're right, there has to be some recruitment that goes on, too. Uh, I know I people wonder, were asking... You know, just to your point, I mean, it's an interesting point. Like, is the problem that, you know, you're you're recruiting people who are from fields where there's combative behavior, or are you recruiting people where there's more collaborative, uh, informed discussion and expert opinion? So, you know, if you, if you get a, a more diverse population of MPs, maybe you'd actually have a more civil debate. I would hope so. I, I wouldn't guarantee it, but I would hope that if the, the group of people you were recruiting uh, were from uh, a, a more uh, expert opinions instead of just opinions, maybe the, the conversations would improve in Parliament. I, I would think so, and I would hope so, too. If we can, can go down that road, it would make all kinds of sense. And just as you were describing that, and as I was reading your piece uh, the other day, though, Professor, it just I, I started to, to think how 
miraculous and how wonderful it would be if we elevated that level of debate uh, in government with educated people that were actually having the debate instead of uh, people that, as you say, really maybe don't quite understand this, uh, don't have a, a grasp on what the issues are, nor are the solutions. Uh, because this is so important. This is not just about developing a vaccine or, or developing an environmental policy. As you mentioned in the piece, the, the benefits, the net benefits of, of, of science-geared technology and, and, and governments that support that sort of thing reaches into social aspects of, of life, every different aspect of life. The solutions are in science. Well, I, I hope you know that that is largely true. Obviously, you want to marry science with with lots of other things, with economics, with um, social concerns. So, you know, it isn't that science has all answers and is the only thing that needs to be listened to. I just think it does need its time to be listened to in order to form to formulate policy that actually bridges the gap between important social issues, medical issues, uh, uh, business issues, and um so on, but that they're informed as well by scientific information. So if you're going to, you know, start up a new company, is that company going to have the smallest environmental footprint possible? That's a win-win in terms of good science with good policy that ultimately can make a difference to the, to the lives of people. So, you know, I, I think it's possible to be both. It isn't one or the other. And, and I think what you need is people who want to talk to one another to get solutions rather than sort of stand on one side or the other just yelling you know uh, nonsense job one though for the the governments though in this case i guess the federal government is to create the atmosphere to create the environment for that to happen for in other words for that that thing to grow even if it's going to grow organically from you know a grassroots situation uh, and that comes with funding certainly but uh you don't just want to, to create the best uh, in the world and, and give them that atmosphere to grow but you want to you want to attract the best in the world too you want people that are great in other endeavors to say i want to go work in canada for that company because you know what they they flourish there they give you a, an opportunity to to do what we all want to do here in science and i don't know that we're there yet it's not as if we've turned our back on it but i don't think we're offering the support that we need to for that to happen you know, again, I think the, the government has tried to create programs to attract people and certainly our best businesses. Um, some of the pharmaceutical companies that have been here, which just happens to be something I know about, you know, they've been able to attract the best in the world to come here. Uh, the universities have attracted the best. We, we mm -hmm. recruited somebody from Harvard to join us. Um, and so, you know, we, we have the beginnings. But you need to follow through. Um, it can't be that there's a kind of one-time boutique program that gets a big splash and gets lots of, you know, photo ops for people, but doesn't have sustainability. So, you know, sustainability to a scientist means that you can count on funding over the long term so that you can actually deeply investigate an important problem. Of course, sustainability also means environmental sustainability. But, you know, from a scientist's point of view, uh, what you need is confidence that if what you're doing is high quality work, that you have a shot at being funded so that when you make a discovery, you can compete with that best scientist in Germany, the United States, China, Japan, Switzerland, that you actually can follow through and stay as a leader, not to turn into a follower. Yeah, I bet you're hitting on one of the pet peeves that I've had for many years about governments at all levels is that they, they're, they're the lack of vision. They tend to think in three, four, five year cycles, which 
not coincidentally, our election cycles too. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, there is some link there. I think. Yeah, yeah. Every three, four, or five. Years, yeah, so. I think I think most of us are picking up on that now. You know, to say, wait a second here, and and what you need is you, your your point's well taken. We need governments that are going to be committed to the long term, uh, and not you know every time there is a change in government, think, oh my God, what if we lose funding for this? And we've seen that happen with some other governments. So it needs to happen in this area too. I mean, that's the only way this is going to happen. I mean, you you don't want to be putting your heart and soul into something. Professor, just to know that, uh, you know what, a year from now when there's an election, I could have the rug pulled out from under me. There's got to be a commitment there. Yeah, you, what you need is a commitment that all parties could agree on. I mean, what, what you'd like to see is a debate that isn't about, here's how we're, you know, microscopically different than you, but here's the common values that people should embrace because it's in their own best interest. It doesn't matter what political uh, persuasion you are to say that eventually you're going to need improved medical treatments, you're going to need improved uh, mechanical devices, uh, whether it's electric cars or whether it's, um, you know, ventilators, uh, source of PPE, whatever it is, if it's something as, as simple as that kind of ma maybe manufacturing, or as, you know, we, we need the capacity to, to manufacture vaccines. I appreciate what, uh, um, what uh, Jagmeet Singh said, but, you know, it's also who gets to discover the vaccines. It's not enough to just say, well, we're going to manufacture them. You actually have to be allowed to manufacture them because somebody else owns the intellectual property. And you have to respect that we should be generating intellectual property, not just saying we'll use your intellectual property. So I think another element is you need the discovery to happen here so that you own the intellectual property and then can do the manufacturing. And then it's all in-house. But, you know, you need to be willing to make the investment at the get-go so that there's something at the end of the day that you can say, this is ours, we own it, and we'll license it to you instead of, you know, we're going to license mm -hmm. it from you. Well, some of those uh, historical discoveries we just talked about happened on the very campus on which you work here at the U of T, and uh, we'd like to recapture the, that, that mindset, I think. I always enjoyed your your, uh, your essays and your reading in the, in the Globe and Mail, Professor. It's a, such a joy to have you uh, to come on the program today and talk about your most recent one here. This is a very, very insightful and thought-provoking. Thanks so much for this. Very nice to meet you, and thanks uh, for anyone listening. Take care. That's uh, Professor Bye -bye Mark Lawtons, of course, from the uh, University of Toronto, uh, who is a contributor, a pretty consistent contributor to uh, op-ed pieces in the Globe and Mail, and uh, stuff to make you think. And hopefully government officials are reading this stuff, too. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.